a minute. This sounds like rock and or roll. Welcome to Rock and or Roll. I'm your reluctant host, BJ. So what is a guilty pleasure? I know it's a seemingly innocuous phrase, but that that phrase really bothers me, especially when it's applied to taste in music. I mean, what does it mean? What is there to feel guilty about? I mean, taste is subjective, isn't it? It's an individual thing. You like what you like. It's intuitive. Guilty pleasure, to me, introduces external influences Concerns about what others might think of you if you like a band or a song. Um, You're not supposed to like that band or that song for some reason. What's the source of the guilt? Is the fear that liking a band or a song makes you appear weak or stupid? Uh, Does guilty pleasure mean that you're letting factors other than your own personal taste play a role in how you present your taste to the outside world insofar as what you profess to like, is it determined by how you think you might appear or be interpreted? What does guilty pleasure mean? What is the source of the guilt? This is where I take issue with the phrase guilty pleasure. I don't see how, like I said, it's an innocuous phrase. People use it to mean what it means. But when you parse the language, what it really means is that you feel guilty about liking something you like. And why would you feel guilty about liking something you like? Like I said, it's an intuitive thing. You like it. What does that have to do with guilt? That's, that's what I don't understand. Do you decide what you like? Or is it intuitive? Does it, is it just you like it? It's not really a conscious decision. You don't sit down and analyze the pros and cons and then decide whether you like something. If When you hear a song, you like it or you don't. And why should you feel guilty if your reaction is to like it? An intelligent person doesn't have to like classical music or jazz to be an intelligent person. To let the rest of the world know that you are intelligent and sophisticated, you don't have to like classical music or jazz. You can like whatever music you like and still be an intelligent or sophisticated or whatever cultured person you know, whatever sophisticated or cultured means. You know, this idea that certain kind of music means you're tough. You know, listening to Pantera doesn't make your muscles bigger. Liking death metal doesn't make you scary or dangerous. This idea that uh, your taste in music somehow plays into the, a role you're playing in society or in an image you want to present, to, to me, that's where this idea of guilty pleasure comes from. It's If you like a certain song or band, if you like it, if you hear it and you like it and that's your reaction, but it doesn't fit within the confines of whatever image you're presenting or role you're playing, then that's the guilty pleasure. That's the guilty pleasure part because it doesn't conform to your image or the role you're playing or how you want to be interpreted, how you want to be viewed, who you want to be. In the eyes of other people, I guess, is that the guilty pleasure part? That's, you know, that, and that's the issue I have with the whole concept. 
you know, you might like a song more at a certain point in your life. Context, associations, emotions, these things play a role. But guilt? That doesn't make any sense. Are you on trial? Is there something wrong with liking what you like, no matter what it is, no matter what song or band it is? How could that be wrong? What's wrong with it? Why would you feel guilty about it? Guilt implies that you feel you're doing something wrong by liking a song. And that, to me, doesn't make any sense. Which brings us to the topic of today's episode of Rock and or Roll, which is AOR, possibly the most mocked, derided, maligned genre of rock music to ever have existed. The music that's called corny, cheesy, etc. What is AOR? Well, the term originated with the term album-oriented rock, which was a radio term, FM radio. I guess the idea was when bands in the 70s were starting to focus more on the album as a cohesive work, as a complete statement. It wasn't just about singles anymore and delivering the single to the radio and radio playing the single. And then so radio stations would go deeper into the album and play songs that they weren't told to play by the record company or whatever. I think that's where the term comes from. But of course, the term morphed into this genre that in the 80s, it came to be applied to this genre of music in the 80s, which, you know, in the 70s, you had all these genres like Prague, arena rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and all of this stuff culminated in a new kind of mainstream rock in the 80s, which incorporated elements of all of that. But it was geared towards a mainstream audience, geared toward the radio, getting on FM, album-oriented rock radio. It was lots of keyboards, but still plenty of guitar and a driving beat. You know, it's ham-fisted, fist-pumping rock and roll, lots of movie soundtracks, lots of bravado. way I came up with to describe it is they'd be wearing their hearts on their sleeves if their shirts had any sleeves. I think my love for this music probably dates back to movies in the 80s on cable TV, Cinemax, Showtime, and the different all the bad movies they played. But I liked the songs on the soundtracks. I was a kid, elementary school, I'm hearing these songs in these movies and I'm liking them. And there's, so like I've said, there's context and there's an emotional element. You know, it was a certain time. It was when I, formative years. And I really, but still to this day, I really love a lot of these songs and this style of music. I just like it a lot. So I wanted to, with the opening of the show, I wanted to make clear that this is not about a guilty pleasure. I like these songs. I like this kind of music. I'm not ashamed of it. I don't feel guilty about it. That was my point with the beginning of the show. And if you're listening and you don't generally like this kind of music, give it a shot. My my biggest hope would be that with this episode of the show, I turn you on to the kind of music that before maybe you hadn't given a chance or you'd written off or you'd never really even considered or taken seriously. So let's start with maybe my favorite AOR song. It's by a band called Urgent. Um, the band was made up of three brothers, Michael, Don, and Steve Kerr. And Michael and Steve Kerr had been in a previous band called Sterling, who had a record called City Kids on A&M in 1980. It was kind of a quirky new wave album, somewhere between like power pop and hard rock, but with new wave elements. After Sterling, they formed this band, Urgent, and their first album, which came out in 1984, was produced by Ian Hunter and Mick Ronson. The album's called Cast the First Stone, and this is the title track. (laughs) 
Another of my favorite AOR songs comes from a 1982 self-titled album by a band called Spies, S-P-Y-S. The band was formed by two former members of Foreigner, keyboard player Al Greenwood and bassist Ed Gagliardi. The whole album isn't great, but this song especially over her is awesome. So earlier I was talking about how I think my love for this kind of music dates back to movies on cable television in the 80s, and this one is a perfect example. Band called 707. They had two albums on Casablanca Records before they switched. They moved over to Boardwalk Records, um, Neil Bogart from Casablanca's next label, and they added a guitar player named Todd Howarth and a singer named Kevin Chalfant and beefed up their sound and put out a record in 1982 called Megaforce, and the song, the title track, Megaforce, was also the theme song for a really bad movie. My brother won't like me saying that, but it's not a good film, Megaforce. But it is a great song.
Another song that I remember clearly liking back in the 80s when I saw the movie on cable was a song from a movie called The Heavenly Kid. It's a song called Out on the Edge by a guy named John Fiore. Now, John Fiore had previously been in a band called Preview, and they put out a self-titled album in 1983 on Geffen Records. So that was John Fiore's band Preview, and this is his song from the 1985 soundtrack for the film The Heavenly Kid. Apparently this soundtrack is rare and hard to get because there were some defects in the records when they were pressed, and it went out of print almost immediately. This is one of those songs that I remember loving when I saw the movie back then. I was 11 years old when this film came out, and always remembered this song, and found the record at a record show in Austin, Texas years later.
One more song that I clearly remember liking when seeing the movie on cable back in the 80s is a song from a 1985 film called Vision Quest. It's a song called Change by John Waite. Now, this song had originally come out on his 1982 debut solo album after he left the babies. That album was called Ignition. And the song was written by Holly Knight and originally recorded by her band Spider. But I much prefer John Waite's version. talking and they're saying that you're leaving so unhappy with the way that you've been living So a couple episodes back, I devoted to my favorite obscure Canadian artists from the 70s. And there was a lot of great AOR that came out of Canada in the 80s. So let's hear some of those bands now. Beginning with Aldo Nova. His first album came out in 1981. was actually a top 10 hit in the U.S. and went double platinum.
Another Canadian AOR band from the early 80s is a band called Rabbit, W-R-A-B-I-T. Their first self-titled album came out in 1981. It was released in the U.S. in 1982 as Rough and Ready, with W's at the beginning of Rough and Ready as well. Triumph were a Canadian band that were big in the 70s, the other Canadian power trio after Rush. They formed in 1975, but they went AOR in the 80s. My favorite Triumph song is probably a song from their 1984 album, their seventh album, called Thunder 7. The song's called Follow Your Heart.
Honeymoon Suite formed in 1981, and their first album came out in 1984 and went platinum in Canada. Streetheart actually formed in 1977, and their first album, Meanwhile Back in Paris, featured a guitar player named Paul Dean, but he left the band after that to form his own band, which he called Loverboy. They released five more albums between then and 1983. Their sixth album, Dancing with Danger, the title track of that album was rewritten by Ace Frehley for his 1988 album, Second Sighting. My favorite song on that record and my favorite song by Streetheart is from that 1983 album, a song called Coming True.
Brighton Rock were a Canadian hard rock band formed in 1982. Their first full-length album, Young, Wild, and Free, came out in 1986 on Warner Brothers. One more AOR band from Canada, and one of my favorites, a band called Harem Scarum. They formed in 1987, but their first album didn't come out until 1991.
Autograph formed in 1983 from the ashes of a few California bands, Silver Condor, Looker, and a band called Wolfgang that was prominent on the Sunset Strip alongside Van Halen and Quiet Riot. The first Autograph album, Sign In Please, went gold in 1984, but my favorite song by Autograph is from the Fright Night soundtrack from the next year. Fifteen were a California AOR band named after the San Francisco Bay Area Code. They formed in 1979 and signed with Electra Asylum, but management convinced them to change their name to name themselves after their singer, and they became the Eric Martin Band. Eric Martin, of course, later went on to front Mr. Big. The Eric Martin Band released a record in 1983 called Sucker for a Pretty Face, and the drummer in the band was Troy Lachetta, who ended up in Tesla.
Streets was a band formed by a former Kansas singer Steve Walsh and ex-City Boy guitar player Mike Slamer. Their first album came out in 1983. Stone Fury was a band fronted by German vocalist Lenny Wolf, who would go on to form Kingdom Come. Their first album, Burns Like a Star, came out in 1984.
State Trooper was a band formed by former Michael Schenker Group vocalist Gary Barden. They released an EP called She Got the Look on Neat Records in 1985 and then a self-titled album after that. Ponty was the guitar player in a New Jersey rock band called The Rest, whose singer was a guy named John Bongiovi. After The Rest, Ponty formed a band called Surgeon, S-U-R-G-I-N apostrophe, and they, re- they released a record in 1985 called When Midnight Comes that sounds a lot like his former singer's band.
1987, Foreigner frontman Lou Graham put out a solo album called Ready or Not, which in my opinion is a really good record all the way through. Of course, Midnight Blue was a hit single from the album. Uh, the whole, he wrote the whole album with uh, Bruce Turgan, who was his former bandmate in his band Black Sheep before Foreigner. My favorite song from the record is a song called Time. Noiseworks were a band from Sydney, Australia. Their debut album came out in 1987 and it went triple platinum in their home country. Oh, 
Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Jeff Paris was a guitar player who signed with Mercury Records, released his first album with them in 1986, but I'm more fond of his second album from 1987 called Wired Up. The drummer on the record was Matt Sorum.
So there was this guy named Michael Belotin. He released a couple of solo albums in 1975-76. Then he formed a band called Blackjack with guitar player Bruce Kulick. And they released a couple of albums and opened for bands like Ozzy Osbourne and Kiss, among others. And then he went solo. His first album as Michael Belotin came out in 1983, was later re-released when he changed his name to Michael Bolton. His second solo album, well, his second solo album when he went hard rock, came out in 1985. It's called Everybody's Crazy, and the guitar player on the record was Bruce Kulick. Danny Spanos was a rocker from Michigan. He actually played drums on the Starsky and Hutch theme, which is an interesting tidbit. He released a self-titled album in 1980, which wasn't very heavy, and then an AOR EP in 1983 called Passion in the Dark, which had a minor hit single called Hot Cherie, which was later covered by the band Hardline. And then he released a full-length AOR album in 1984 on Epic Records called Looks Like Trouble, and his bassist in his band on that album was Dana Strum. In between his tenure in Rainbow and then Ingve Momstein's band, Jolyn Turner put out a solo record in 1985 called Rescue You that was produced by Roy Thomas Baker. 
Zebra actually formed in 1975 in New Orleans as a cover band. Their first album came out on Atlantic in 1983, but my favorite album of theirs is their third album from 1986 called 3V. was a band formed by former Thin Lizzy keyboardist Darren Wharton, who was in Thin Lizzy for Chinatown Renegade and Thunder and Lightning. He formed the band Dare in 1985, and their first album, Out of the Silence, came out in 1988.
Now you can't tell me that isn't a great song. Guilty pleasure my ass. That song is awesome. And so is this next song. Former Duran Duran guitar player Andy Taylor. He put out a solo album in 1987 called Thunder. Co-written and co-produced with Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols. It's a great album. My favorite song from the record is the title track, which is the last song on the album. I love that song, and here's another song I love. This is a song by a Scottish band called Gun. They formed in 1987. Their first album came out in 1988 on A&M Records. It's called Taking on the World. 
This is a song called Inside Out. classic AOR guy is Stan Bush. He was first in a band called Boulder, who released an album in 1979, and he put out a self-titled solo album in 1983, but he found his, the most fame from his inclusion on the Transformers the Movie soundtrack in 1986, a song called The Touch, which got some airplay on MTV and was later lampooned in the film Boogie Nights. But Stan Bush had another song on the Transformers the Movie soundtrack that is way better great song called Dare. Things that really matter 
Another great song on the Transformers the movie soundtrack is a song called Nothing's Gonna Stand in Our Way. It's by a band called Spectre General. That band was actually the Canadian metal band Kickaxe, going by a more fam- family-friendly name, I guess. The Transformers movie soundtrack came out in 86, but the song Nothing's Gonna Stand in Our Way had already been performed by an Australian artist named John Farnham on the Savage Street soundtrack in 1984. So let's hear both versions of the song, John Farnham first and then Spectre General, a.k.a. Kickax.
So Magnum are a band that I played on the Progressive Rock episode. I played a song from their first album from 1978. Magnum started out as more of a progressive-influenced band, but they morphed into an AOR band, really becoming one on their classic 1985 album, On a Storyteller's Night. But my favorite songs by Magnum, my favorite AOR songs by Magnum, are from their 1988 album called Wings of Heaven. couple more for you. The first one is a song called Running on Luck Again from a self-titled album by a band called Valentine, which came out in 1990 on Giant Records.
Iron Maiden guitarist Adrian Smith put out a solo album in 1989. He called it ASAP, which stood for Adrian Smith and Project. The album was called Silver and Gold. Tears were a hard rock band from Jackson, Tennessee, formed in 1983. Their their first album on MCA Records didn't come out until 1990. I have a feeling this song is going to remind you of another band. That's the name of the band starts with a B.
Kane Roberts was the Rambo-esque guitar player in Alice Cooper's band for Alice's most metal period, Constrictor, Raise Your Fist and Yell. Kane Roberts released two solo albums, a self-titled album in 1987 and then an album in 1991 called Saints and Sinners that was co-written and produced by Desmond Child. Mitch Malloy was a singer-songwriter from North Dakota. He actually served a brief stint in Van Halen as Sammy Hagar's replacement before the band decided to go with Gary Sharon. He had a self-titled album that came out on RCA Records in 1992.
Okay, that's going to have to do it for the AOR episode. This thing's too long already. But here's what we can do. If you want to hear more AOR, there's plenty more for me to play. So if you want there to be part two of the AOR episode at some point in the future, all you have to do is send me an email, rockandorrollpodcast at gmail.com. You can go to the blog page, rockandorrollpodcast.blogspot.com. The email address is there. There's a link for iTunes and the Facebook page. It would help me out if you went and left a comment or a rating on iTunes. Come to the Facebook page, like the Facebook page. It would be nice to get an idea of who's out there listening and what you would like to hear from the show in the future. Any ideas you have or any suggestions would be greatly appreciated. So once again, the email address, rockandorrollpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to hear part two of the AOR episode, if you want to hear part two glam rock, part two power pop, all of that can come in the future. So let me know what you want to hear. So here's hoping I turned you on to some cool music today on the show. I really like all these songs a lot. Hope you like them too. So now, to play us out. What does that mean, to play us out? I don't know what that means, to play us out. What does that mean? To end the show? Yeah. Believe it or not, there are still bands making this kind of music, melodic AOR music, especially in Europe. I'm going to play you a song by one of my favorites, a band called Wigwam. They're a Norwegian band. Their most recent album came out last year, 2012, called Wall Street. But I'm going to play you what is still my favorite song by the band, their first single from 2005, an amazing song. This is the exact kind of song I love. I really couldn't like a song much more than I like this song. It's called In My Dreams by Wigwam. Until next time.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 